0: Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team.
0: We know leadership is already challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down. Another Enneagram
1: podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I'm here with my friend, Cody. Cody, what's up?
0: Hey, man. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. You know, just hanging out in Arkansas, which is a long ways from where you're at.
0: Yeah, Southern California. It is uh, sunny, but... There's nothing happening because we're in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Cody was just telling me about um, having to go out, right? And how it's like mandatory face masks and everything. Whereas here in Arkansas, it's a little bit more voluntary and everybody's just dealing it, dealing with it in their own, own context, in their own way. So, but excited to be here today and talk about some Enneagram stuff and leadership and get the conversation rolling.
0: Yeah. Super excited. Yeah.
1: All right. So today, what we want to talk about is the law of the lid and why and how leaders are limiting their organizations, limiting their teams. And and it's, it's leaders' shortcomings that are holding their teams
0: back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this earlier. Craig Gershell references in his podcast all the time that when us as leaders get better, then everybody gets better. Or when we get better, the organization wins. And I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I've experienced that in my own life and my own leadership development that when um, I caught myself in those very kind of stagnant and uh, just complacent seasons, I found myself more frustrated with the state of our organization or the state of mm. uh, my team. and. Uh, just to find out that it was actually me that was causing a lot of the friction. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this and hopefully just to encourage uh, leaders to or find help them find ways to get out of those ruts and, and see growth. Yeah.
1: Well, and we're going to dive more into our personal backstories in the next couple of episodes, but just you know, a little bit of preview here so that people know who, who they're listening to. Uh, Tell just for a quick second about what it is that you do, the
0: leadership role that you're in, and then I'll do the same. For sure. So my wife and I, we live in Running Springs, California. Um, We sit at about 6,700 feet up on a mountain. And uh, we are on staff here at a uh, Christian summer camp called Camp Pondo. Um, I can't say summer camp. We do winter camp as well but I sit in the program director role. Um, So I have the privilege of working with and recruiting our summer staff, our winter camp staff. And so uh, within the next month, hopefully I'll have a team of about 30 um, college age students and man, we're just going to run summer camp and hopefully have the opportunity just to connect with engage with thousands of students. And so, uh, yeah, it's been a, a super amazing opportunity um, and I actually just stepped into this role in February. um So this is still pretty fresh for me.
1: Yeah, but you've been there for a little bit longer than that, doing some sure. other stuff.
0: For sure, yeah. So long story short, we actually moved out here two years ago um, to launch organization in partnership with Camp Pondo um, that equips church leaders, specifically in the arts kind of department. Um, so uh, media directors, worship leaders, things like that, uh, working with bands. And so um have a heart just to... Help those guys learn how to lead and use their gifts and passions, uh, man. Just to to point people to to Jesus and to health and all those types of things. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so for me, uh, I'm in Arkansas and an, am an entrepreneur. I've started uh, my my own business where I help teams and leaders. To communicate better, work together better, and it's all based around the Enneagram. You know, Cody's kind of working in this um, nonprofit, parachurch world a little bit, and I'm very much kind of in the business world. And so, you know, regardless of where you you are at, if you're a church leader, nonprofit leader, or couldn't care less about those Mm -hmm. things, uh, this podcast, I think, I hope, will serve you well. Uh, You know, I work with a lot of different business leaders across a lot of different industries and i think that the things that we're talking about here are going to be applicable to to anybody in a leadership position any team that's out there and so so yeah if that's you you know keep listening i think we're going to have some good stuff for you so uh, yeah today we're talking about the law of the lid and just the idea that that leaders can be limiters on their teams right um probably the the sentiment that i have expressed and heard expressed over the past few months that, that hits close to this is the idea that people don't leave jobs, they leave bosses, right? People don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. And I think that, you know, we, we can all probably think of a boss that we've had at some point that we've just been like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't work for this person. Like uh, this job's not bad. And the people I work with are not, all crazy, but I cannot work for this boss. I feel like most people have probably had that experience. Would you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking of two or three in my head right now. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm 30. And so I'm thinking back to, um, man, all of the jobs that I've had, and just some you know crazy different departments, and like you said, I got to work for some amazing companies, got to do some really fun things. But at a lot of those different jobs, there was this disconnect between me and the boss, or there was this frustration between me and the boss. And one of the things that I'm sure we'll dive into in a, in a future episode is um, there just weren't open lines of communication. But then also, it didn't seem like it didn't seem like the the boss cared to even know those things. It didn't seem like the boss cared to fix what, um, was, was broken. And, yeah. uh, and I think a lot of us would agree that as leaders, sometimes we kind of step into and we stay in this very bird's eye view of the organization. And so it's really hard for us to see things that are happening on the front lines. It's very difficult for us to see the things that are happening with, um, the people that are just kind of in the ruts and, um, in the grind. And, uh, and so, yeah, if we're, if we're not trying to be our best self and create uh, open lines of communication and open ourselves up to, to criticism and new ideas, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's so easy to get trapped in that spot of like, Hey, we're, we're doing okay. We're making money Um, or, you know, our, our organization is growing. Our, you know, impact is growing. Um, But at the same time, man, you've got people that are basically sitting on that fence, just waiting for one more strike to dip out. And uh, that's a, that's a, sad and frustrating place to be, I'm sure. Yeah. Or if anything better happens to
1: come along, right? The the loyalty to their current position uh, may not be very strong. And so, any other offers, you know, might always seem better, whether or not they actually are, right? Mm-hmm. People will will jump shit because, man, I just, I can't stand being in this environment anymore. Mm-hmm. And And it's important to say, like, I don't think that bosses are the only issue, right? Like, no. this is not to absolve anybody that's not a boss of their their problems and it's not just you know a blank slate to be able to be like well this situation sucks because my boss you know that may be true but everybody has things that they need to work on and grow in and so we're going to talk more about that in the future but specifically for this episode talking about bosses being the limiting uh thing on a team or at at an organization why do you think it is that 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 happens so often that you feel like there's bosses uh, or leaders within teams or organizations or companies that, that limit the, the environment that they're in. Why,
0: why is that so common? I think from personal experience and just things that I've, I've tried to, to dive into in terms of like research and um, just observing is that there's so much pressure riding on leaders that, hey, we got to keep the train moving. You know, we, gotta, mm-hmm. we, gotta, um, yeah, we got bills to pay. We got, um, you know, like things to sell. Um, people to reach, and um, we'll absolutely dive into this because as we start start talking about the enneagram and different types and the motivations behind these things, um, you can dig a little deeper into that. But, I, but man, I think as as a leader, and I I face this is um, we have goals and we have things to strive for, and a lot of times you're you're moving so fast and you're you're trying to. Uh, reach those goals that you're not paying attention to the surroundings. You're not paying attention to your current um, circumstances in in your organization. And um, I can't remember the exact episode or, or or what he was talking about, but uh, if we'll go and say this, I'm a big Craig Craig Rochelle fan, so I may reference him a lot, (laughs) but um, he talks about this idea of you can have control or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of times leaders are just trying to hold on, um, keep that control, and when that happens, um, you, I, I think it develops this posture of like, "Hey, we're okay." Uh, you know, we're we're people are going to be frustrated. There's always going to be people who are frustrated, um, but that kind of closed-handedness um, with those things creates, um, yeah, I think sometimes a very uh, capped off culture. Um, and, uh, and so you're not opening yourself up to other options or growth. And so you may see from that bird's eye view that, Hey, we're, we're moving forward and we're being successful Mm -hmm. and success looks different to different people. Um, and so why would I change things or why would I ask or open myself up to, um, questions or criticism? So, um, yeah, yeah, hopefully that that answers your question.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think you're right. There's that pressure to keep things moving forward, to make it look like you've got it all together, right? And so if if you show weakness, uh, it, it feels like that's dangerous territory to be in, you know? So I, what I want to do is talk about Enneagram and with this topic and mm-hmm. specifically with you and I, what our Enneagram types can show us about this, about us as leaders. Uh, but before we do that, just in case there's somebody that's not super familiar with Enneagram, <laughs> uh, I do want to run through real quick kind of the nine different types. Uh, if you're familiar with Enneagram or if you're not, uh, there's kind of nine main types that everybody falls into one of these. Right? You can kind of resonate with multiple at once, but you have one core one. Uh, and so there's yeah, there's nine main things and. Don't worry, there's not going to be a test about this <laughs> later or anything like that. But I'll run through those real quick, just kind of the core needs of each type so you can get a little taste for that. Uh, and then you and I can talk about what that means for us specifically, right? Okay. So, so there's nine types. And the first type, uh, type one, the need there is for perfection, right? To do things the right way, orderly, systematic, uh, to be right, to be perfect. You know, the second type, uh, type two, the need is to be needed, right? So, type twos need to be needed by other people. That's kind of how they find their identity and their value is by what they can do for other people. Type threes, the need is to perform or to achieve. So they're uh, really good, usually at standing on a stage, playing whatever role is expected of them and, and winning. Type threes, a lot of times are pretty competitive. Type four, the need is to be unique or different or special. Fours want to bring something to the table or to the team that nobody else can do. They want to have that unique role that other people are not playing. Type five is the need to know, right? Fives are your knowledge people. They know what's going on. They're subject matter experts. They love to, to research things and know all the nitty gritty details. Type sixes have the need to be safe and secure, right? So they want to know what's, what threats are out there and how can they keep themselves and the people around them safe from danger around them. Type sevens, this one gets a little surprising sometimes, uh, but I usually say the core need of a type seven is to avoid pain, right? And type sevens are usually super fun, high energy, happy-go-lucky kind of people. But a lot of times that is in an effort to not deal with more difficult things in life, things that might be painful. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times they'll uh, do things or make decisions to, to try and not deal with whatever's difficult in front of them. Type eight is the need to challenge or the need to be against and so eights like to fight for things or fight against things they're usually again high energy uh stereotypically a little bit more aggressive in the way that they lead and and just live life and then type nine is the core need to avoid conflict so type nines are always trying to smooth things over or keep their heads down or you know do whatever helps everybody get along and so each one of those numbers has really good strengths, and then some really glaring weaknesses. And it's not that any one of them is better than the other. uh, But everybody kind of has one of those that they fall into. So as you're listening to this, you might, uh, if you know your Enneagram type, that's great. But even if you don't, just kind of, you know, think about which one of those sticks out to you more than others. And that might help you identify, you know, which Enneagram type you are. And like, like we said, we'll get into that more probably in further episodes. But just for this conversation, that's kind of the, the super basic, you know, crash course in Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, Cody, let's talk about that for us, just our personal stories mm-hmm. for you. Uh, tell people what your Enneagram type is and how that has
0: helped you um, kind of raise your lid on leadership. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, Ryan, you were actually the one that introduced me to the Enneagram probably about four uh, to five years ago. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and we sat down in a Waffle House and (laughs) talked about how I am a type seven. Where
1: all uh, of the world's most meaningful conversations happen. uh,
0: Yeah. You know, they should, they should. So, um, (laughs) have your, host your staff meeting at Waffle House. You can thank me later. Um, uh, so man, when I learned that I was a type seven, um, I, I gotta be honest right out of the gate, it was heavy stuff. Mm. Um, And, uh, heavy stuff for a type seven looks a lot different than heavy stuff for other people. (laughs) Um, but it was, it was heavy enough for me. And what was really interesting is in that season of my life, and we'll talk about this in, um, the next couple episodes, but in that season of my life, I had just stepped into my first kind of like, um, I'm doing air quotes here, like top dog leadership position. Um, -hmm. we, me and some friends had started an organization. Um, i had kind of stepped into the executive director role and I was so Frustrated with why people were frustrated with me um, hmm. being in that role. And I uh, had so many questions, had so many doubts. And the, the Enneagram and learning about Type 7 honestly gave me uh, this, sense, this sense of awareness as to, like, hey, these are the red flags that when you start to see these things come up, um, you need to start paying attention to this stuff. Um, because these are those things that are um, keeping you from raising the lid. Like these are the Mm -hmm. things that are keeping you in this kind of, um, capped off, um, kind of, kind of space. And so when I started to pay more attention to those things, I actually started not just paying attention, but actually like, okay, what do I need to do to grow in this? What do I need to do, um, to see that these things don't take control, um, over me, or if I don't give them as much space as I used to. And so, um, yeah, learned so much uh, was challenged with so much, but I think the the number one thing that it helped me grow in. And so if I've got other sevens that are listening um, was one, it helps me learn how to be, be grateful for, for who I am and um, who I was, who I was, I was made to be and who I was gifted to be as a leader, uh, what I bring to the table Um, and to put, put more emphasis on that. And then to also put more time and energy into growing in my weaknesses. But then the other side of that was, um, it gave my team an understanding of of the kind of leader that I was going to be so that we could go ahead and, and clear the air on um, expectations that were just not going to be met, um, yeah. things that I was not going to be as a leader. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I think it honestly opened me up to then um, allow other people to come in and bring uh, those strengths where I was weak um, and opened me up to to be more of a, I think a team player. And, and so uh yeah, amazing tool, uh, really hard season of my life, um, to, uh, to dig into that kind of stuff. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I think if anything, uh, there's this fixation for sevens to plan and we're always looking to the what's next. Um, and you gotta, you gotta imagine that working under somebody like that, that it seems like they're never where you are. Hmm. It seems like they're never in the same season as you. It, like we're always talking about, you know, three to five years down the road. Um, and it, you know, probably like the phrase that comes out or used to come out of my mouth the most was like, what if this could happen Mm -hmm. Um, versus like, Hey, what is happening and how can we put more attention into that? And so I think I've become a more present leader. I think Mm -hmm. I definitely like love the idea of dreaming and looking to the future, but if we're not doing now well, then who's to say that we'll do then well.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. And and that's, none of that is to say that, you know, vision or dreaming or mm. planning for the future is bad. I mean, that's critical, right? But like you said, it's, it, it's not just about the future. You have to be doing the right things now if you're ever even going to get to the future. So it, it takes both, right? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's, so what it, that's, um, that's cool, man.
0: Yeah. So what about you, Ryan?
1: Man, for me, so I'm an Enneagram one, which uh, if you remember is that need to be right, to be accurate. Um, and or to be perfect is one of the words that's, that's in there a lot. And that right there is, in my opinion, probably the biggest uh, stumbling block for ones that are in leadership is this fixation, this fascination, this compulsion, right? To be perfect and to have everything be perfect and to have the people around them do their jobs perfectly. Uh, One's what a lot of people don't know about ones is how hard they are on themselves, right? If you were just around a one and you know nobody knew about this enneagram stuff, you might think that they were just really hard on other people, but what you don't see is that ones tend to beat themselves up worse than they give it to anybody else. Yeah. And and themselves first, right? So if I'm critical of you, if I'm overbearing uh on you, it's only because I have already kind of like mop the floor with myself, right? And then it's overflowing onto you. And so, so much of that comes from just this compulsive need inside of ones almost, especially if they're really unhealthy in this or unaware for everything to be perfect, right? The idea of good enough is really, really tough for ones to get on board with, right? Like why would we do it good enough when we could just do it right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And so not that wanting to do things right or even perfect is necessarily a bad thing, but that is such a crazy standard to put on yourself and on everyone else around you all the time. You know what? If you get it perfect, that's freaking awesome. Uh, but sometimes good enough has to be just good enough. Mm-hmm. And and when you try to hold yourself and everyone else around you on your team to a standard of perfection that weight will eventually crush you and them right mm-hmm. if i'm only okay with things being perfect every time i'm not going to be a leader for very long mm-hmm. people are going to eventually be sick of that and go find something else to do with their time right cuz no one wants to live under that burden for their whole yeah. life yeah you know life's already hard enough and and you get enough other flack from other places. You don't need a, a boss or a leader over you that is only okay with perfection. And so that's been probably the biggest thing for me with Enneagram and my leadership and, and raising the lid of my leadership is being okay with good enough from other people, but specifically with being okay with good enough from myself. Yeah. Yeah. And and learning to just have grace and be be
0: cool with mm-hmm. with good enough. So that's awesome. What do, you feel like, what do you feel like recently has been, as you've taken a deep dive into Enneagram, um, taken a deep dive into actually consulting and providing some guidance to other leaders, um, what have you learned about yourself in that process as an Enneagram one? Oh, That's a good question. Man, I would say... I think one of the biggest
1: things that I have to learn, and this I think is probably true for everybody, so maybe this is a cop out answer but and listening is just so important. I know it's important for ones because as a one, man, I feel like and this is gonna sound arrogant only because it is uh, <laughs> as a one, I feel like I already know what's right mm. you know i I know the right way to do it, and I know the best way to do it, and if you do it differently than that. Then, okay, you're free to do that, but it's not the right way, <laughs> you know? And so, learning to shut up and listen to other people and listen to how they process things and where they're struggling and where they're stuck and where they have some good ideas that's super valuable for anybody that's a one in leadership is just to shut up. Let other people talk and then not just shoot things down because man, if, if ones have a superpower, it is shooting down other people's ideas, right? (laughs) We just, we can poke holes in anything, man. Like, and so it's, you gotta be real careful if you're a one in leadership, because if you're not, nobody will, will throw out ideas around you because they just get so used to you shooting them down and torpedoing every single one of them. So -hmm. that's probably a big discovery
0: for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just hit on something um, is that I think one of the best things that the Enneagram provides in regards to raising our lid and, and not being the ceiling to our organization is coming to the realization that not everybody thinks like you, not everybody processes like you. And so you may be a great leader with the gifts that you bring, but then opening yourself up to actually not just being a boss, not just being a manager, but being a, a guide and a leader to your staff mm, is yeah. coming to the realization that, um, there are people that don't think like you. Um, they're much more, um, emotionally connected and mature than you. Um, you've got yeah. people that maybe be under your leadership that man, they're just gut people. Um, and, and they have these, um, reactions and and responses to things that would actually serve you well, um, to take, to take um, notice of. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited for hopefully some really neat conversations that come out of this with leaders where you understand that, Hey, there are different ways of doing things. All you ones out there, there are different ways of doing (laughs) things. Um, but as, but as leaders, we have got to be open. Um, there's always more to learn. There's always more to grow in. Um, And, and I think that that would sum it up back to what Craig said is like, Hey, when we get better, everybody gets better. Organizations get better. And so don't be the lid to your organization.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'll just wrap it up with this. I think it's important as leaders right now to understand that, that culture and times and just the landscape of leadership in general, I think is changing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be, I feel like very much a, Oh, you don't like your job, suck it up. Deal with it. And that works fine in like an industrialized workforce, right? Where you're just on a factory line and you're supposed to do this thing over and over again. You don't like your job? Suck it up, deal Mm -hmm. with it, or get a different job. But in today's economy that's so much more service oriented and there's so much more teamwork and collaboration involved, leaders of teams have a new job, right? Being the boss. 50 years ago is a very different thing than being the boss today. And so much of what you do as the leader, as the boss, as the person in charge or of influence in general has such a huge impact on the rest of your team, your company, the the business and the work that you do. And so that's why this conversation I think is so important because uh, leadership's not what it used to be and it's Mm -hmm. changing and evolving just like everything else. And so yeah, I'm excited for these conversations too. For We're going to have some different guests on that get to talk about leadership and how the Enneagram has helped them in their organizations and their teams. So super excited for that and hope you guys will come back and join us for our next conversation. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast.
0: As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you are learning how to lead their teams better using the Enneagram, and you can too.
1: So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media and leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good you know, reviews and ratings. That would be great. If
0: you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram or at another Enneagram, or head over to our website, anotherenneagram.com.
1: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Another Enneagram Podcast.